mindfulness mode. You're not looking to connect with everybody. You're looking to connect with the people who get you. So part of it is finding what are you passionate about? What's something that you can create content with? Hey, Mindful Tribe, I'm here with an author. He's a producer. He's a singer-songwriter. He's an extremely talented man, and his life is centered around mindfulness. He writes about mindfulness, and he likes to help entrepreneurs with mindfulness. He helps them make a statement with their brand. He has so many talents. He's written a book called How to Connect. The subtitle of the book is A Guide to Creating Content That Resonates with Your Ideal Client. I'm here with Michael DeFern today. Michael, are you in mindfulness mode? I'm certainly trying to be. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, Michael, what does mindfulness mean to you? It's it's definitely evolved over the years, but I was just trying to explain it yesterday. My wife and I were having a discussion where she's like, I can't just not think. And and to me, so mindfulness, I was telling her, is, is um, not judging what's happening. And so like the, the thinking could be happening, you know, the experiences are happening, but to be mindful is to, to be in the present and to not be in the past or the future and just kind of taking what is and not, you know, kind of not fighting with it, not judging it. I really agree with that. I think that that is so important. In your book, you talk about how you've been interested in how humans connect from an early age. Tell us about that in your own words. I mean, I have a sense even as early as maybe fifth grade, being very curious about the adults and, and just, you know, curious about how um, how people interact and, and all that. I mean, I had no idea about any of this at, at that point, but I, and I struggled. I struggled with connecting with people. I struggled. I was shy. I was felt like I didn't have any friends, like even in my own family, which was a very loving family, I didn't feel connected. Um, so it's, yeah, I, I, you know, I guess really where it's, it started, the journey started um, kind of when I got sober. So there's a whole thing, this could take hours to talk about all this, but basically I, you know, I felt very disconnected growing up and it wasn't until like 15 when I found a way to connect with other people, certain friends through drugs, drugs and alcohol. And that in a way, say, I believe saved my, my life because I was very depressed and, and just felt so alone. And, um, that let me, you know, I, I, I look back now and that, that, quieted my mind enough to be able to connect on some kind of a, I guess you'd say a spiritual level with other people. And um, so the, in a way, the drugs helped me to be more present. And then until they, until they didn't, until they were so destructive and they, you know, took me to such dark places that um, I had to look for other options. And that's when the true journey of, I started, you know, they, if you talk about the 12 steps, which is Alcoholics Anonymous, 12 steps is what, what, I, what I went through. They talk about having a spiritual awakening mm -hmm. for step two. That's the result they're looking for. And so to me, um, that's where mindfulness 
the, the words, I, I still wonder what if I'm using the right words for the things I'm talking about. But to me, it started with this awakening process, which was just to like, literally just to open up my eyes, like, oh, like I see myself, self-reflection, uh, self-examination was where it first started. Michael, tell us about your first experiences with drugs and alcohol. I, I have a couple experiences that I kind of remember that I think about. Yeah, I don't want to get too deep into the the war stories of it and the, mm-hmm. the details, but there was this one experience we were taking a certain drug, me and a couple of friends in in the bedroom, and I just remember uh, feeling like everything was okay, mm-hmm. like just this blissful feeling that I I gave myself permission to just relax and be and, and enjoy just being alive. Mm-hmm. I had never felt that before. I was never present growing up when I was little. Like I was either grinding through the moment or I was looking forward to the weekend. Where are we going to eat? Where are we going to do this and that? I was never, was never happy where I was until that moment where I felt like, oh, I could just be, we're here in this bedroom. I'm doing absolutely nothing. We're walking, pacing the floors, but uh, I'm, I'm just feeling okay. And then skip ahead to when you realized that this was becoming a major problem in your life. Yeah, well, there were many years um, getting up to my 30s, almost age of thir- 29 is when I got sober. And uh, the last few years there, um, I was in and out of rehabs and detoxes and AA, NA therapy. Like I knew I, there was a problem, but I didn't know. I didn't know I was the problem. I thought mm. the problem was lack of funds. You know, uh, I need to get my life together. I needed to hang around with better people, have the right girlfriend, the right job. And it wasn't until um, I ran out of options and realized, oh, I'm the problem. Mm-hmm. My thinking is the problem. And through the, the 12 steps, which I hadn't heard many times and I had tried, but I finally was what we say in the program, we, I was beaten into a state of reasonableness you know, I was so desperate that I was willing to be open-minded to, to anything. And that's the point at which things started to change. And I, you know, really what was eye-opening was the fourth step where we do a, a personal inventory. And, and I got to look at for the first time my past behaviors. Who am I angry at? What am I fearful about? Who have I harmed? And looked at my part in that and saw that, oh, I'm causing my own misery all this, this time. That that's where the journey began. And I'm, you know, it took a, a long time and I'm not, certainly not perfect at this point, but to just that, to wake up and realize that I, uh, that I have, I play a part in this. I'm not just some ship on the ocean, uh, waiting for the, the, the tide to change. That's how it always was like, Oh, maybe I'll, you know, when am I going to catch a break? When am I going to, you know, I was like, I felt like I had no control over my own destiny. And then and now I do. Now I realize that, you know, practicing meditation and mindfulness can completely change my experience of, uh, of life. And I can, I can work on that. That's something I can work on. In your book, How to Connect, Michael, it's really obvious that you've got a special ability to be able to put words on the page to help your reader totally, totally understand what you're saying to them. You talk about how to connect through video. You talk about how to connect through the written word. You go on to explain how people that you connect with will want more of what you have to offer. 
you have a very clear way of communicating with the reader. I just wonder, how long did it take you to put that book together? That book and that message seems like such a gift. I love how you put that. I'm going to have to go back and, and transcribe that. I love that. So the book came about, it was only not even two months. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what happened, so I've my wife and I have had a, a video production business called Zen Mantis for about 10 years. And that's, that's how we've made a living uh, all this time. And the business started out as a general marketing company, and then it became a video production company. And long story short, the, the way that I interviewed business owners to make a, a marketing video for them, although I didn't know it at the time, it was, but it was about us both getting into the moment together. And um, so I didn't realize it, but I was learning, I was using the business as a way as a, a tr- uh, training ground and experimentation, you know, experimenting with people to try to get better at this stuff. And then it, when the pandemic hit, so all these years of not really sure wh- where this was going, but then the pandemic hit and all of a sudden I had v- nothing to do. And so I started writing a book, not this book. I started writing another book that's lo- like 200 pages. Okay. And that's currently on the shelf because it was just, I call, I'm calling it the wrong problem. Uh-huh. And my goal with that book was, a, was trying to bring what I learned in the, in the 12 steps and this idea of mindfulness to people that wouldn't normally be looking at meditation and mindfulness. How do I bring this to the everyman? So it's kind of a tall order. So that book still needs to be, I need to help with that. But I had the idea for, well, how can I talk about my video process and mindfulness and make a short book that could be, you know, something easier to, to digest. And, uh, and so that, that book was all pretty much written in my own head. Mm. And it was just kind of like a subset of the bigger book that I had written. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. And what I found was that you just provide so many tools and information and knowledge for the reader to help them move ahead. I want to talk to you about mindfulness because you made it clear in your book how important it is to have mindfulness in your life. When did your passion for mindfulness begin and how did it evolve? Yeah, so the, the open-mindedness to seek out ways to, to make myself better. Personally, you know, I've been a self-help book junkie for years and I'm always reading stuff trying to hack myself. Mm-hmm. But the, the mindfulness piece... Cause I had already been practicing self-examination and, and, and all that through AA, mm-hmm. but the mindfulness thing really started with the power of now mm-hmm. Eckhart Tolle. And, uh, I'm still not sure if it's Tolle or Toll. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like it's Tolle, like you said at first, but you know what? It's whatever you want it to be. <laughs> I know. Like, why is that important? Um, so that this, I, I remember when I read the book, I just, I got all excited inside and I'm like, I can just, I can't even remember what it was exactly, but just this idea that I can be in the moment and there's no problem. Yes. And I have these experiences ever since then I've flirted with them and I've gotten better at it. But like, if I'm, if I can just stop the thought and just be here breathing, there's bliss there's there's nothing there's no problem mm-hmm. i could be standing on the porch staring at the leaves on the tree and just like like a little baby uh seeing them for the first time 
and and that that thing has propelled me since. And that was probably that's got to be six years ago at this point. In some ways, Michael, you're my hero because, wow, you know, you moved to Nashville, you and your wife, and you performed, you wrote music, you did video work. I mean, you really got out there and you ended up doing a lot of the kinds of things that I enjoy doing as well. You embraced mindfulness. Hey, tell us about the music you've done and how that has fed into your mindfulness. Yeah, so Heather, my wife, and I and our three kids moved from Connecticut, which is where I grew up, mm -hmm. to Nashville. I guess it's coming up on three years at this point. Uh, we got here just in time for the tornado last year. Yeah. No, um, anyway, so I had been performing in everything from rock, you know, rock bands, bar bands, original bands, uh, all over the place, you know, growing up, but nothing, nothing to of anything special. It was just like, you know, didn't really get anywhere with it. But um, Heather and I thought, well, let's, we've been writing songs together for years. Let's go to Nashville and I network for business. Maybe I can meet people and, and pitch a song while I'm at it. Sure. And that, so that was what got us down here. Plus wanting to move someplace a little warmer. And um, what I, what I didn't know was that really it was a journey to me facing my fear of being on stage and learning. Uh, and I had been a musician all my life. And I had always got you get into that zone when I'm in the bedroom perform practicing by myself, where I'm like, this blissful, out of body experience. Yes. But I very seldomly have had that on stage when it when it counts. Uh -huh. I, I get up on stage, and I'm all in my head. I'm like a robot playing the guitar singing. Mm -hmm. Horrible. And I didn't know that till I got down here. And what's great about Nashville is you can play out every single night of the week uh, at a glorified um, open mic night. Right. You know, th there are just, they call them uh, writer's rounds. And it's, it's, you're playing for free, you're playing for other musicians, mm -hmm. but it's a captive audience and it's a way to hone your craft. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that this, is, this has been about learning how to be present, performing, and connecting with people through, through, mostly singing for me, mm -hmm. which prompted me to take vocal lessons. And that's a whole thing that I've been obsessed with. So how often do you do a writer's round? Before the pandemic, uh, we were doing um, maybe three nights a week. Mm -hmm. Heather and I would go out and she'd sing a couple songs. I'd sing a couple songs. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, now I don't know what's coming up next. We're we're working on an album. You know we we've been doing all this just you know duo acoustic, but you know we want to we want a band. We had a band in Connecticut. We want another band. Mm -hmm. That's the goal. And how does the music support the work you do with clients when you work on video? It, it's kind of uh, we do some music videos. Mm -hmm. You know, not a whole lot of that. Um, so th there's not a whole lot of crossover other than to me you know what i the value i think i bring in working with a client is my own life experience so like the the more i woodshed things and figure things out i feel like that's when i'm sitting with somebody i'm sure you have the same experience you know working as a coach it's like everything that makes me better just makes the me uh, able to serve in a better capacity yes Yes. 
Michael, tell us about meditation, what it looks like in your life. Tell us about your personal meditation practice. Yeah, so ironically, I have not been a good meditator all this time. I always practice mindfulness as a more of a walking around kind of a thing. It's like, okay, I'm doing dishes. Mm-hmm. I'm pushing my foot against the floor to remind myself to not be thinking. Or I'll be making a pot of coffee and I'll just be like excessively exaggerating each movement to make it into a meditation, kind of like I'm some Zen ninja making a pot of coffee. So okay. I try to do stuff like that. Uh-huh. But only recently have I... I got, um, if I could plug an app, I actually really got into, uh, have you ever heard of Sam Harris? I have. Yes. Yeah. He's, I've always listened to some of his podcasts and his waking up app is fantastic. Um, so I've been into that doing daily guided meditations. You know, I had done them before, but Mm -hmm. just now, um, I think about it like working out. It's like, you know, I, the more I work those meditation muscles, the more the easier it comes throughout the day. It sounds like you really helped a lot of clients through video, through branding. Can you tell a story? Can you share a story, Michael, about one of your clients that you've really helped to connect with their with their potential audience and help them to earn money and make their business a true success? It's hard to pick one person. I mean, there's been so many anecdotal uh pointers, I guess, over the years where a lot of times I'm sitting with a client and, and a lot of, a lot of times it's a, it could be a CPA or a consultant or a, a contractor, someone who is not, not really looking to be on video. They're, you know, they're, they're mostly introverted. They're, you know, they kind of do it maybe against their, their better judgment. And the, the thing that always happens is that when I get somebody talking long enough, these little nuggets come out and mm-hmm. in a way I'm showing them holding up a mirror to show them, you know, look at this, like, this is, this is, you're really good at this, you know? And so it's kind of, I, that's how I think about it. It's like capturing their best moments and then using that as the video. Yeah. I, I, I don't really have a really good single person story. It's just kind of, it all kind of blurs together. Well, your website is michaeldefern.com, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-D-E. F-E-R-N, michaeldefern.com. Tell us what we would expect to see when we go there. That website, it's really geared towards that first book I was talking about, The Wrong Problem. It's really a blog. It's my attempt to share my own experiences and stories. One story was about pancakes. Uh, One morning I made pancakes for the family. And there was this whole drama that I had this fight in my own head about nobody cares. Like I was just like, I was having this discussion with myself and then I pulled myself back and found, got myself into the present and realized what a blessing that morning was. So it's, Uh, I I try to pull stories like from my past that hopefully other people can relate with and see how, okay, how do you connect the dots between a seemingly mundane thing that happened in your life and the blessing of that where you can, you can change that by bringing mindfulness to it. What have you learned from your three children about mindfulness? Well, I'm, I'm trying to slowly get them into practicing meditation. We've done a little bit, especially my 14 year old. I know that, uh, you know, in high school, this, this is the time I want to give her the tools that I never had in school. 
you know, watching the kids grow up is just, um, it's, it's re- reminding me that, that I need to continue to work on myself because I'm an example uh, to be a better example for them. So it's, it's more, more than anything, it's kept me accountable. I think, you know, thank God I, I didn't have them. I had just gotten sober when, when we had our first child. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that's what I've learned. They, they keep me, they keep me on the right path. I want to ask you a question about bullying. Have you ever been bullied? Have you got a story you could share with us where mindfulness would have made a difference? Yeah, I know that. I knew you were going to ask that question. Um, I, I definitely was bullied. Um, and I bullied, um, but mostly I was bullied. And, um, you know, if I could go back now, my whole, like I was saying before, my whole school experience from grade school through high school was just one of being completely disconnected and in my own head. And, um, so many situations looking back where had I had any kind of mindfulness or presence, I would have realized that I took things the wrong way or, you know, I just, I would have seen things from the other person's perspective. You know, I do a lot of that where I, when someone's angry, like if I'm at the grocery store and, and somebody's short with me or, you know, I, I put myself in their shoes and I'm like, well, they, they only know, they're only doing the best they can. They, they only know, the, you know, the way their parents raise them and maybe they're having a bad day. So I would have thought, you know, if I can go back to fifth grade or something and, you know, somebody was giving me a hard time, I could have, if I was present and mindful, I would have thought to myself, wow. And, you know, um, that they must be struggling with something to have for them to lash out at me, you know, and uh, it would have just disarmed the situation. If I change my perspective if I don't look at them as they're attacking me, I look at them as maybe they're a sick person. That changes how I uh, react to them. And I don't need to, to feel bad and I don't need, and may, perhaps I could, I could have helped them. To me, that's what connection's all about. It's, you know, uh, seeing the humanity in other people, seeing that, you know, one of my favorite things um, to just contemplate is we're all on this planet in this endless universe. Like we're all, we all have this common bond of being humans on this planet with that possibly the only life in the universe. And um, not only that, but to be present, to be alive now in this age where we have all these luxuries and we have the, you know, the internet, we have all this knowledge just we have so much in common. If I could remember what we have, I have in common with my fellow humans. Um, it just, it, I, I feel like that's how you change the world. Yeah, I think so too. Michael, your book is called How to Connect. Tell us more about how to connect. Well, like I was saying about, um, you know, getting into the moment with somebody. Yeah. I think um, I do a lot of networking I guess what you'd call selling, you know, where you're trying to meet up with other people and, and help them. So to, to me, how to connect, this was a, a, a tough journey for me to come to, you know, it's, it was only kind of recent where I realized that, that I need to connect with people as a person first and not just look at everyone like, um, as a prospect, you know, I, I literally mm-hmm. spent a lot of my career 
unknowingly trying to manipulate people. You know, I, I want to help them and I need to feed my family. I was so I would show up trying to not doing things like shady, but doing just focusing more on the mechanics of what I can do for them instead of being there with them as a person. It's like, how do we connect as a human being first? And, you know, one example is, you know, I'm sure a lot of people um, have experimented with LinkedIn, you know, um, mm -hmm. sending messages and, um, you know, trying to make connections to, to maybe get some business and, the difference between, you know, reaching out to somebody and saying, Hey, how are you? Um, I see we have this in common thought. It'd be nice to, uh, to get to know each other better mm -hmm. versus leading with your sales pitch. And, you know, th that's not connecting, that's repelling. Yeah. And so how to connect is really about, it's really about how to create content that's going to connect. So it's not so much about the, the face to face. How do you act as a, you know, it's not about sales training. It's not about how do you know, psychology of how do you act as a person, but it's about how do you get into a place when you're making your content so that when somebody reads it or they listen to it or they watch it, they feel attracted to you, to your humanity. Mm -hmm. And part of that is, you know, you're, you're not looking to connect with everybody. You're looking to connect with the people who get you. So Part of it is finding what are you passionate about? What's something that you can create content with or about that you're not going to fizzle out with? You know, you know, a lot of people start a blog or a podcast and they just, you know, they do five episodes and, and they run out of steam. Yeah. So what, what can you get into for the long haul that you're creating it because you love to create it? You're doing it for you first, but you're also doing it in a way that's so authentic that the right people will come to you. You'll connect with them as people. And then, oh, by the way, maybe we'll do some business. So leading with the passion, leading with the content creation that comes from what feeds your own soul, and then let them know that, hey, if I'm an accountant or I'm a contractor or I'm a dentist. Tell us about some video you've created that you're most excited about. Well, the one that comes to mind it is from a number of years ago. Um, it's called A Photographer's Nightmare. And it's a uh, a little, it's a little short short movie, I guess. Um, Can we find it on YouTube? Yeah, it's it's kind of a a joke. Where my little daughter, my little daughter is in it. It's like six. She was six years old, and um, she kind of uh, gets into trouble with some of our photography gear. Yeah, and so that's kind of, that's kind of. I'll have to check it out. It sounds like fun. A photographer's nightmare. Yeah. Well, Michael, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So the first one is this. Who is one person that has been a mindfulness influence in your life? Well, I guess it'd have to be Eckhart Tolle. Okay, number two. Tell us how mindfulness has affected your emotions or how you deal with your emotions. Mindfulness has been a, a life changer in terms of dealing with my wife. And I hate to, I, I shouldn't say dealing with, communicating with. Mm -hmm. um, there were so many things, especially financial things, where um, I just, I would come at it in such a passive aggressive way. And, uh, you know, it's just being, I would stand there in the moment with her. What I've, what I've learned to do now is when there's a, a, a touchy subject to just get anchored and, try not to think at all and just let the, let it come out and not, it's, it's hard to explain, but just mm -hmm. being mindful that 
ability has just allowed me to respond instead of react, quite simply. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. I, so in my vocal lessons, so I need to plug my amazing vocal teacher, Breck Allen. One of his exercises, his breathing exercises, is something I use all the time in mindfulness and meditation. If you sit up straight or stand up straight and you pull yourself up from the back of your neck and you almost tilt your hips back, like if you were to put your hands in your back pockets and pull down just slightly, uh-huh. so you kind of have this reverse arch. Yes. And you just experiment. You get you get your body into the right position, and that's what he's all about. He's called it's called the art of body singing. That's his his brand. Mm-hmm. It's about getting into this position where the breath just comes in without any effort. So you don't really breathe in. The air comes in because of the of the the way the atmospheric pressure you know works. Like you, you have you create that vacuum by moving your body and your lungs into the right space, making them open. And then the air just floods in. And if, if, you, if, if you or your listeners were to practice, just, like I said, pull yourself up from the back of the neck, kind of tilt your hips in, push down your back pockets a little bit, and just look for that. Get your body in the right place where you just feel like the air come in without even breathing in. The air just kind of comes in. And it's, it's like this magical, lovely feeling. Your book, How to Connect, is a book that I resonated with, but can you recommend any other books that are somehow related to mindfulness? Yeah. Um, so obviously, The Power of Now. Mm-hmm. Um, another guy that I really like, I don't know that you, he kind of takes a very everyman approach to mindfulness, um, which I love. Um, Steve Chandler, um, Wealth Warrior. Okay. Which it's not all, it's not all about money. It's not a a personal finance book. It's a little misleading, Mm -hmm. but Steve Chandler, wealth warrior. And then, um, you know, another book that, that was amazing. Um, Stephen King's on writing. Oh yeah. You mentioned that in your book. Yeah. I can't talk about that enough because you know, a lot of what I talk about when, creating content, whether you're doing a video or you're writing longhand, um, it's just, how do you get into that space where like the, the words, it comes out without overthinking it. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite quotes, I think this is actually a Neil Young quote or something like that. It's uh, when he writes songs, I, I write, I write until I start thinking. Uh, so well, you need to think at some point when you edit, but you know, can you sure. get into the stream of consciousness when, when you're first transcribing it from the ethers or wherever, whatever muse it's coming from? Can you share an app that can help with mindfulness? You already mentioned the one. Yeah, definitely the um, Sam Harris's Waking yeah. Up app. I'll put that in our show notes. Michael, it's been a very interesting conversation. Thanks so much for being on the on the show today. And of course, your website, michaeldefern.com, Mindful Tribe, check that out. And like I said, check out our show notes, mindfulnessmode.com. And I'll put the links to the things that you've mentioned, Michael, in the show notes. So thanks again for being on the show. Oh, hey, and I know you're starting a podcast too. Tell us about that. Yeah, so we're calling it, it's, it's with my wife and I, we're calling it Between Two Deferns. Okay, Between Two Deferns. If you go to michaeldefern.com and if you get on the email list, you'll stay mm-hmm. up to date, but 
Tell us more about the podcast. How often will you be publishing? Hopefully it's going to be once a week. It's going to be Heather and I. So Heather and I have been in business together. We've had, you know, the family, we've traveled, um, the music stuff. We know so many cool and interesting people. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have them on. And Heather and I, we both, we're like yin and yang. We come at things from totally different places. And uh, I'm the overthinker. She's the pixie dream girl. Mm-hmm. So we're, you know, we're going to talk to people we know and she's going to ask about what she's interested in. And I'm going to ask most likely about mindfulness and uh, mm-hmm. life hacks. So. so will all the episodes be interviews or will some be you and Heather only? I'm not sure yet. Probably mostly interviews. It's kind of a experiment at this point. Have you recorded any episodes yet? Yeah, we, we did one. Okay, well, I look forward to checking that out, Between Two Deferns. And Michael, I enjoyed your book immensely. And again, I want to thank you for being on the show today. Excellent. Bruce, I really appreciate you having me on. I was so excited to do this and um, and this was fun. I want to keep going. I can keep going. I want to talk to you about stuff too. Like, yeah. Well, what would you like to ask me, Michael? Well, so the, the question I, I really wanted to ask you was, being that you're, you've been such a mindfulness aficionado practitioner for so many years, longer than I feel like longer than I have, how do you handle uh, the music aspect? How do you, do you have a practice or a ritual when you go to perform? I don't know if you're a performer or you're just a writer or or what you are, but how do you intersect that with mindfulness? You know what? I find that meditation helps immensely. I practice deep breathing, Wim Hof breathing. I find that that's a big help. And I think about silence and I use silence in my act. And I believe that silence can help to just make my act better. The space between the words, the space between the sounds, the space between the musical notes. Does that make sense? I love that. Yeah. In the past, I used to be so concerned that I should be saying something, singing something, making some kind of sound, entertaining. And then I realized that, you know what, entertaining and performing, it's all about how sound and silence play against each other and how you use them to entertain the the audience and to inspire. Yeah, I, I love that. That's a whole thing that I we certainly didn't mention earlier, but... um you know, mindfulness means when I get my thoughts out of the way, I I realize that everything that's good is coming from somewhere beyond me. Yes. And whether it's up in the sky or it's just deeper within my brain, it's, it's somewhere beyond those surface thoughts. And so job one is, is getting those surface thoughts out of the way so the good stuff can come out. And you share so much good stuff with the world through your book, through your videos, through your music. It's been great to have you on the show. Wow, I'm humbled by that. Thank you so much, Bruce. I appreciate it. Okay, bye now. Bye. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening, for subscribing, for reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts, and thanks to Erica Flint's Cascade Hypnosis Center for being our valued sponsor. Hey, Erica, we really appreciate you, and Erica is a terrific teacher of hypnosis, and I know that because I am a graduate of her program. Now, if you're a healer or a coach or a counselor 
or someone who just loves helping people, consider the powerful results that can be achieved with hypnosis. You can become a hypnotist just like I did. Contact the team over at CascadeHypnosisCenter.com. And if you'd like to work with me and break through some of those mind blocks, maybe lose weight, maybe quit smoking, maybe it's something else, I would be so thrilled to work with you. Don't put it off. Do it right now. Send me an email, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. That's bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. And we will get you on track and we will help you to move toward the goals that you've always wanted to achieve. So now take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.